this is one of my favorite uh, passages uh, for moms and grandmas and great-grandmas. And it comes from Second Timothy, and it's a prayer of thanksgiving. Uh, and Paul uh, writes this, of course. Timothy is a pastor that he led to the Lord. Uh, he's a young pastor. And um, from the way Paul talks here in this passage, it sounds like that his mother and grandmother uh, were the ones who shared the gospel with him. And I can't emphasize how important that was. So let me read his prayer to you. He says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as day and night I constantly remember you in my prayers, Timothy. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded now that the same faith lives in you. Isn't that a beautiful picture of generations just passing on the faith? So I'm grateful for mothers. I'm, I'm grateful for grandmothers. Um, you know, I don't know if you realize it or not, but in this stage of our, um, our country's uh, situation, more grandmothers are raising children now than ever before. Uh, so I'm grateful for that, but at the same time, we have to, uh, we got to be careful with that also. Amen? Amen. So, as we uh, go into worship, I'm going to have uh, Melissa and Pat to come up. And mothers, we're going to be honoring you uh, during the prayer time today. So... Um, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. Um, if you'd stand with us, I'm going to be introducing the songs today. Um, I asked Pastor if I could do that again, fill in for Chip a little bit. Um, obviously, my style is going to be a little different. Um, but uh, I once attended a worship leaders conference. I wasn't intending to be a worship leader. Um, I just wanted to stand up here and sing because I like singing. And, uh, you know, people thought you should, you should be up there. So I, I attended it for other people. Um, and I just wanted to help people prepare their hearts to worship. And um, one of the tips at the, at the conference there um, was when you're nervous, when you're in doubt, when you don't know exactly what to say, to use a psalm, <laughs> because usually you can find one that's very relevant, and there's a lot of them to choose from. So um, here's some from Psalm 95 to introduce our first song. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. time to worship come now is the time to give your heart come just as you are to worship come just as you are before your God God, one day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. 
the time to give your heart. Come, just as you are to worship. Come, just as you are before your God. surrender our lives willingly our knees will bow with all our heart soul mind and strength we gladly choose you now come now is the time to worship come now is the time to give your heart come just as you are to worship come just as you are before your God come Psalm 86, among the gods there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength on behalf of your servant. Save me, because I serve you just as my mother did. I don't know about the rest of you, but I, uh, I come from a line of women who have, uh, they've taught me to glorify God when, when I'm able to. Um, they've taught me to rely on him. They've taught me to, that he's worthy to be praised, that he's marvelous, that he's the one that's faithful. And that's what I hope to pass on to my children. And I believe that it's the best blessing a mother can give. And I just wanted to share that with you on Mother's Day. <laughs> Your love has captured me. Your grace has set me free. Your life, the air I breathe. Be glorified in me. to dancing you set my heart on fire in the presence of a thousand kings you are my one desire and I stand before you now with trembling hands lifted high be glorified <laughs> your love has captured me set me free your life the air I breathe be glorified in me you set my feet to dancing you set my heart on fire in the presence of a thousand kings you are my one desire I stand before you now with trembling hands lifted high. Be glorified. Be glorified in me. Be glorified in me. Be glorified in me. Be glorified. Be glorified. Be glorified. 
feet to dancing. You set my heart on fire in the presence of a thousand kings. You are my one desire. Now I stand before you now with trembling hands lifted high. Be glorified. Uh, this is the song that um, I didn't find a song for um, because I felt that the song spoke a lot about different characters of the Bible, and I really wanted to um, find out what the author of the lyrics had to say about that. Um, and they said that these are the themes of the verses, declaration, righteousness, unity, and worship. I chose to express these thoughts by reference to the characters that represented these virtues in the Old Testament. It is in essence a song of hope for the church and the world in times of great trial. The chorus is the ultimate declaration of hope, Christ's return. It is paraphrased from the books of Revelation and Daniel and the vision that was seen of the coming king and refers to the return of Christ and the year of Jubilee. How do you express the sense that these might be days, not of failure and submission, but of the sort of resilient, declaring, even arrogant trust and hope that Elijah had in his God? That these are not days of God stepping back and allowing the world and the church to roll uncontrolled towards eternity, but rather days when he is calling on his body to make a stand, to offer right praises, and to declare that he is in total control. Well, I reckon you may write the words, these are the days of Elijah, and these are the days of David. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant, Moses, righteousness being restored and these are the days of great trials of famine and darkness and sword still we're the voice in the desert crying prepare ye the way of the lord behold he comes riding on the clouds shining like the sun at the trumpet call lift your voice it's the year of jubilee and out of zion's hill salvation comes and these are the days of ezekiel dry bones becoming as flesh and these are the days of your servant David rebuilding the temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. The fields are as wide in the world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee. And out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill, salvation comes.
good singing. I can tell you this, that every day that passes by is another day closer to Christ's coming. And boy, do I look forward to that. For our responsive reading, would you uh, read this with me? This is Psalm uh, 118, and you should recognize the words from this uh, because it's in a song that we're probably going to do a little bit later. But uh, here we go. Are you ready? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Whoops, I skipped a verse. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard-pressed, I cried out to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. May God add his blessing to the word. Isn't that a great song? We need to learn from that, right? Uh, in celebration of, of Mother's Day, to thank moms, <clears throat> I'm going to ask Melissa and Naomi to come up. And uh, if you are a mom, uh, we're going to uh, honor you. Would you raise your hand? we got a, a really neat tote bag for you. Um, that they're going to pass out. I think we're over order. So if you're a mom, raise your hand so Naomi uh, knows. Yeah, grandmas also, sure. Mom, grandmas, great-grandmas. Dads, for Father's Day, we're not going to get tote bags, but we will get cookies, <laughs> which we will devour uh, because there's no calories on Sunday or Father's Day. So we, we're, we're going to do that. So moms, thank you. Thank you for uh, all the work you do, all that's done behind the scenes that is unseen. And just thank you. And, and my prayer is that God would bless you ri richly. Uh, motherhood is something to be cherished and uh, something not not taken lightly, and I appreciate all who do it. I'm going to ask uh, those who are uh, going to help with the tithes and offerings to come up. We're going to pray for moms, and we're going to pray for Chip. Uh, not that Chip is a mom, but uh, we want to pray that whatever's going on with him would would uh, be rectified and he would be back with us so let's pray our father uh, we just thank you for mothers those father who have a heavy responsibility and in my estimation the greatest responsibility in the world to raise their children we thank you for grandmothers as we read in the passage before and thank you for great-grandmothers, especially those who passed the faith on. Uh, Father, we need good, godly mothers and good, responsible, and godly fathers. My prayer is that you would restore the family, that you would just uh, bring renewal to the family. Would you mend any husband-wife relationships that are shaky? Would you uh, just um, mend any parent-child relationships 
that need to be mended. And Father, as parents, and especially as mothers, help us to continue to love the way only your spirit can flood our hearts with the love of Jesus. And Father, we want to pray for Chip. Uh, He's been through a lot. Uh, So is Bonnie. So we pray for both of them, Father, and pray that whatever's going on would be easily rectified and that Chip would be back with us again uh, in short order. So, Father, give the doctors insight, uh, wisdom as to what they need to do. And, Father, while Chip's in the hospital and Bonnie uh, is with him or at home, just hold them close to you, Father. Be with them. Provide for them emotionally, spiritually, and physically. We We pray for complete healing, Father, for Chip. We leave him in the hands of the great physician, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. There we go. Okay. We've been preaching through uh, John chapter 7. And um, in this section, it's only 13 verses, and I promised I would not be long-winded today. So if you had you know, um, plans of being with family, uh, you can be with family. Now, if, if I'm not long-winded, that's a miracle from God, Okay. You give a pastor a microphone, it's the most dangerous combination you can have. John 7, verses 1 to 13. Um, I titled this, What Does the World Think of Jesus? And when I, when I use the, the word world, I use it in the sense that Scripture does. When you see the world in Scripture, uh, it, it, it talks about the system of the world without God. We clear on that? The system of the world without regard for God. Now, the United States is not the only country that's in this predicament right now, and it's unfortunate because we're making our own problems worse than they, they could be. But the key question is, is, what is the world, what does the world system think of Jesus? Jesus is not very popular these days, is he? Right? We, we can tolerate the world system. Well, let me rephrase that. The world system tolerates and celebrates, and I came up with um, three general things, vulgarity, profanity, and indecent behaviors. Isn't that true? We, I, you don't have to look far for that. That's, that's, the world's, that's what the world system feeds on, vulgarity. You can wear any shirt you want with any profane word on it, and generally speaking, people will tolerate it. But put the name of Jesus on the back, now you got a problem. Now you got a problem. And are we okay on Proclaim? We're having techno demons today, so uh, be careful. Um, our culture has taken rights away from parents. It invents perverse uh, morality to justify its own immoral behavior. It's devalue human life to a point where the womb is the most dangerous place for a baby. You all know this, right? In this passage, John gives us some insights uh, into why the world can be so hostile to Christ and his message. And in turn, it gives us insights into why the world is hostile, hostile to people who love Christ and follow him 
and obey him. And we need to pay attention to this. Uh, this breaks down nicely in about four sections, and I'll, you know, I'll go over them quickly with you. It was the time of festival, I can't speak, the time of the Festival of Talents, which was one of the mandatory festivals for males um, and their families, if they were able to do that, to go to Jerusalem and celebrate the goodness of God. That's what the, the uh, Festival of the Tabernacles is. And uh, uh, in fact, uh, Orthodox and Hasidic Jews today still celebrate it. Uh, if you ever go through a Hasidic community during this time of year, they actually build like shacks, right? And they dress up. They're supposed to dress up as biblical characters, but it's weird to see Spider-Man in a shack, but uh, I've seen that. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a time of celebration. So Jesus had just proclaimed himself that he was the bread from heaven, and Jesus also proclaimed that it's through the bread of heaven that eternal life is avail available and through the bread of heaven that you are to abide in Christ by loving faith. Wasn't a popular message. Most, uh, all of the crowd that was following him, except his uh, 12 disciples, abandoned him at that point. Because they were saying, well, Jesus said, right? He's saying, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they couldn't wrap their minds around that. They were thinking literally, and yet Jesus was talking figuratively, saying, look, you have to live on every word of the Father and me. You have to digest it. Make it a part of yourself so it has its work and can do its work from the inside out to transform us into what God wants us to be. And so the crowd now has left them. Uh, the religious leaders didn't like what Jesus had to say. And the original 12 continue to follow him, although... We all know that there was one of the 12 that was going to betray him, correct? So, let's pick this up. It says, uh, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He, didn't want, he did not want to go about in Judea because the Jew, Jewish leaders were there looking for a way to kill him. Well, that makes sense, right? Okay. Um, the religious system of the time rejected Jesus. They hated him. Isn't that true? I mean, if you're going to plot to kill someone, you really hate them. And Jesus knew they were out for him. And why did they hate them? Why did, why did they hate Jesus? Simply because... By being with him, seeing how he lived, seeing how he loved people, and seeing his character expose their hypocrisy, their emptiness, their shallowness, their legalistic temperament, thinking that obeying rules will earn them the love of God. They had no conception of grace. They had no conception of love. Jesus exuded grace. He exuded love. He exuded holiness. Pharisees thought they were holy. They were anything but holy. They could not live up to their own law, but would never admit it. So they wanted to kill him. It's not the first time in history that religious systems rejected Jesus. We're seeing it today. We're seeing churches reject Jesus by their very actions. We're seeing them reject Jesus when they accept sinful behavior as not sin anymore. They refine what the Bible says about sin. In fact, they would go as far as to say that the Bible's not the final authority that the culture is. 
I want to suggest to you that too many times in established religious uh, circles, we've killed Jesus because we don't take him at his word. We want what we want, not what Jesus wants. And so the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to kill him. So he was rejected by the religious system. Listen, we have our own way to do that under, sometimes under the banner uh, of the cross. Um, when I was in seminary, uh, my last year of seminary years ago, uh, a friend of mine pastored a big church while well, he was an assistant pastor over in um, Mount Holly. And um, the senior pastor who I knew uh, was going to be away on vacation, and they had asked me to fill the pulpit. I said, sure, I, you know, I'd be glad to. So they sent me a questionnaire, and I knew that was going to be trouble right from the outset, right? They sent me a questionnaire, and they wanted to know, uh, in my theology, was I dispensational, reformed? Those are the only two choices. And I put down, well, I'm neither. Uh, I'm kind of right in the middle. Well, they sent me a letter back disinviting me because they said, if you weren't dispensational, you can't preach in this church. Now, to, to just clear this up a little bit, dispensationalism and Reformed theology is systems of theology that are nothing more any system of theology has its strengths and weaknesses. And so to be disinvited over an issue like this is nonsense. I said, okay, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, but it's okay. I wonder how many churches, if the Apostle Paul walked in the door and said, have something to say to you this morning, we'll let him in. How about Jesus? In Revelation, he says to one of the churches, I stand at the door and knock. They already put Jesus outside. If anyone would open the door, I'll come in and have supper with him. But nobody came to the door. Let's look at the next section. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, <laughs> listen to the tone here, okay? Leave Galilee and go to uh, Judea so that your disciples may see the works you do. And here's why. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. His brothers didn't get it. They were being sarcastic. They knew he lost a lot of followers because Jesus told the truth. And now they're saying, look, you want to be a public figure, you got to go out and do some PR for yourself. You got to do some, some miracles again, build up a following. And they were mocking him. How do I know that? Because verse 5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Jesus was rejected by his family. Even there was a point uh, early in Jesus' ministry where Jesus was teaching in the, uh, in the temple and his mother says to his brothers, go in there and get him, he's lost his mind. Right? But at this point, his own brothers didn't believe. And yes, Jesus had stepbrothers. Mary was a virgin until she delivered Jesus, and then she and Joseph had other children. That's what the Matthew says. That's what Luke says. So Matthew, uh, Mary didn't stay a virgin, if you will. She had other kids. So here's the question I want to ask you. <laughs> How would you feel growing up and having a sibling who was perfect? Never did anything wrong. Would you dislike that sibling? 
Can you picture Mary and Joseph, right? Something went wrong. All right, which of you did it? I know it wasn't Jesus. Oh, no, it was him. No, it wasn't. I know his character. Which one of you did it? There's a great trick a parent can use, right? Um, when your, your kid comes home, this works really well right through high school. And all you have to say to them after they get settled and all uncomfortable, all right, why did you do it? And some will just say, how did you know? How did you know? And then they'll confess, right? Jesus' own brothers were jealous of him. They thought he wanted to be some great political public figure, and they mocked him. Look at Jesus' response. Therefore, he told them, my time is not here yet. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. So the brothers weren't believers at this point. They did come to know Christ later after the resurrection, but they weren't believers at this point. And he's saying, look, you can go there any time. They're not after you, but you fit into the world. You fit right into the world system. But here's why they hate me is because I've revealed the truth about the world system that its works are evil. Wow. I don't think the brothers really, really got that, but it was the truth. You see, Jesus was the one who exposed the evil of the world system and the hypocrisy of the religious system. The brothers didn't believe him and rejected him at this point. Now, you know what came to mind when I was preparing this? Remember Joseph and his brothers in the Old Testament? Right? A little bit different because Joseph knew how to get on his brother's last nerve. But his own brothers sold him. They wanted to kill him. You remember that, right? And yet they saw the opportunity to sell him into slavery. And we know how God used that for his glory. And even when the brothers came back to Joseph, um, because of famine, they didn't recognize him at first. You know, Joseph kind of played with them a little bit. And then when he told them the truth, his brothers were afraid he, he was going to kill them. But instead, he reached out with love and compassion. Now, at this point, Jesus' brothers didn't believe him. They rejected him at this point. Jesus worked on his father's timetable. Can you show me anywhere uh, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, uh, where Jesus was in a rush? Can you show me anywhere? Jesus was never in a rush. And I think I figured out why. The world system tries to press us into the mold of the world and wants us to enter into the rat race of the world. Isn't that true? Many people moved from North Jersey down to Ocean County because they wanted to escape the rat race. Well, guess what's here? The rat race, right? Uh, we see it when we're, we drive. I mean, people will do insane things to get ahead of you just so you can catch up at the next traffic light. It's crazy. We rush when we fail to seek the Lord's will. Isn't that true? We rush when we plan and God changes that plan. We don't like when God changes our plan, do we? But he will when he needs to. 
We even rush through reading and studying the scriptures, and that's probably the most unfortunate. We rush through prayer. We don't know how to be still before God and wait on him anymore. Because you see, Satan wants us in the rat race. Because once we're in the rat race, we're distracted by everything else. And we put the Bible on the back burner. We put worship service on the back burner. We, we put confession on the back burner. Because after all, who's going to do what needs to be done? Well, who cares? When we do this, we are starving our souls spiritually. Jesus never rushed. And the reason why he didn't rush is because he, he was on the Father's timetable. That's why he could say, my time has not come yet. My father knows the right time. When that right time comes, then it will be time. Nobody likes to wait on anything anymore. Isn't that true? Someone who turns 15 years old wants to drive yesterday. Well, I got to wait till I, uh, I get a permit? Yeah, you do. And then somebody's got to teach me how to drive? Well, yeah, that, that happens. You rush through that, and you're never going to get your license. <laughs> it's as simple as that. When was the last time we saw what the Father wanted us to do and when he wanted to do it? I think we would spare ourselves a lot of aggravation if we did it. One of the worst things I believe we can do is rushing through reading and studying the scriptures. We make appointments for things we think are important. We can sit down for uh, an hour and a half hockey game, a baseball game, seems like a 10 hour football game. Uh, what, you know, whatever it is, we, we can go shopping for hours. And listen, there's nothing wrong with recreation. There's nothing wrong with that, but when it takes the place of being with God and being with Christ, then we have a problem. Jesus was on the Father's timetable. Here we go. Let's go back to verse 6. All right. My, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify its works are evil. The world system has thoroughly rejected Jesus. There's no room in it for Jesus, right? You... He's talking to his brothers, right? You go to the festival. I am not going up to the festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers left, um, had left for the festival, he also went, not publicly, but in secret. I love this part of it because... You see, Jesus is not out to prove anything from an ego standpoint. He, went, he, he wanted to be there, but he went up in secret, not publicly. Now, the leaders of the festival, the Jewish leaders, were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Well, why were they asking that question? They wanted to kill him. <laughs> they wanted to get him out of the way. He was a menace. He revealed our hypocrisy. He revealed the legalism in our religious system. So where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. Do you remember when Steve Allen uh, used to do the man on the street? Years ago, he used to send somebody out into Times Square uh, while he did his program, and they would ask, you know, randomly people questions about that. And back then, I think if, if 
you ask people who is Jesus, they might tell you something of substance. But now, if you ask people who Jesus is, you'd probably get mocked and laughed at. Oh, he's something religious people made up. Well, then that makes him a deceiver, right? Well, you know, you know, he was he was just a magician, you know. And the one who says he's a good man, well, he was a good man, but there was more to him than just being a good man. He was God in the flesh. He was the embodiment of holiness and love. We live in a day where everybody has to have an opinion, and you have a right to hear your opinion. But I'm going to go out on the theological limb here and just say to you, if you don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then you have the wrong opinion. And it's dangerous to have the wrong opinion about Jesus. Now, I want you to look at this. This is telling. But no one would say anything about him for fear of who? The Jewish leaders. They were even in fear to say anything. There was an instance recently where a parent uh, in a board of education meeting, right here in Jersey as a matter of fact, stood up and said to the board and the librarian that there was a book in the library that was, when I tell you it's vulgar, it was vulgar. It was vulgar. I shared this last week. And, uh, she, and when they said they would not remove it, then she said that then the, the, uh, the committee and the librarian are putting our da- children in danger. Well, the librarian sued her for defamation of character. I guarantee you if there were any other parents who wanted to speak up, they they won't. But sometimes we have to, don't we? We have to trust God for the consequences. I mean, this is insanity. No one would say anything uh, publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Put yourself in the position of uh, the typical Jew who belonged to the temple or synagogue. This was at a point in Jesus' ministry where if the leaders heard you say anything positive about Jesus, they were going to throw you out of the synagogue. Without Without question. They would throw you out of the synagogue. But yet, if you were against Jesus, they would embrace you. How upside down can we get? Well, listen, I wrote down a couple of applications. The gospel message will always be at odds with an evil world, the world system. Jesus said, if the world hates you, this this is uh, from Luke, I believe. I forgot to put the quote in here. But Jesus' words, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it uh, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Talking about the Pharisees and the people. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. Did you ever think of that? 
Whoever hates Jesus hates God. Wow. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would, they would not be guilty of sin as it is. They have seen and yet they hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. The bottom line in all of this is that every day you and I have to make a decision. When we wake up, we have to make this decision. Are we going to let the world system press us back into its mold? Or will we spend time with Jesus, reading his word, letting his word talk to us, studying his word, and letting the Holy Spirit take his word as we meditate and chew on it, make it a part of our lives so we can say, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, today we will serve the Lord. I think there would be a lot less problems if we approach life that way. You know, we tried to do this through a program years ago. Programs just don't work. Um, but the intent was good. Uh, and you remember the what would Jesus do, right? I mean, that's good to ask. What would Jesus do? But you don't know what he would do unless you read his word. Isn't that true? And you look at the Bible and you study it. Then you have a pretty good idea of what Jesus would do in every situation. Listen. It saddens me to say this, but I think we're in a time in our country's history where Jesus is becoming less popular, along with Christianity. We have churches who have sold out to a woke philosophy, which is evil. We've had churches who have sold out to say the Bible is not the ultimate authority. That's evil in itself. And we have people in churches who don't take God seriously. Present company accepted. So we have to be careful with all of this. You know, when I first became a believer, I lost a lot of friends. I don't know about you. But when I first became a believer, I didn't do the things that they did anymore. I didn't do the partying that they did anymore. I didn't hang out at the same places that they did anymore. And, you know, and people, in fact, my secretary at the time came in my office and she looked at me. She said, are you dying? I said, why do you say that? And she says, because you're not the same. And I, I said, well, I, you know, I found out that Jesus loves me. And then she says to me, I liked you better before. She didn't understand. And so, as we go forward, let me just urge you and ask you and plead with you, spend time with Jesus each and every day. Read and study his word. Ask God for his timetable in your life. And that doesn't mean you sit back and do nothing. What that means is, hey, Lord, show me the right time for this. Lord, there's a person I wanted to share the gospel with. Show me the right time. Give me the right words. Don't ignore prayer. Don't ignore the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't ignore worship. And so, in a couple of weeks, Memorial Day will be here. And summer starts. And churches in the shore community will be abandoned. 
to boats and beaches and all sorts of stuff. Let me just say, take an hour out of your time to worship the one who created you. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask Melissa and Pat to come up and Sharon. Remember we read Psalm 18, uh, 118, I'm sorry. His love endures forever. That's where the song came from. So if you can, we just stand and let's worship. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. He is good, he is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, his love endures forever. For the life that has been reborn, his love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. Mother's Day. <laughs> Frank said thanks. I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> He's pushing to go back in purgatory, I think. But, <laughs> but happy Mother's Day. Enjoy it. I'm hoping you're blessed. Whether you're a mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, or great-great-great-grandmother, be blessed today, and thank you for all you do. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thanks for this time together. We thank you, Father. We have the chance to honor our mothers we thank you that we had the chance to worship and hear your word thank you for all your blessings i pray as we go today that uh, especially moms will experience an extra blessing from you and we pray this in jesus name and all god's people said Amen. hey not bad dismissed enjoy the day <laughs>